Welcome to We Gotta Talk, a live weekly talk show and podcast where we like to dig deep. From health to relationships to alternative lifestyles and more, the one thing you will always get is a deep dive. I'm Sunny, a 15-year veteran of TV news, freelance writer, blogger, mom of three, and wife. But most of all, I'm just a die-hard oversharer, someone who's genuinely curious about, well, everything around me. And I can't wait for you to join in on these conversations that I promise will impact, inspire, and entertain you. Now, let's talk. Hey, everybody. Welcome to We Gotta Talk with Sunny. Real talk, big topics. I am Sunny, and I'm so glad you're here today. We have a solo episode for you, and you would think that literally, given the 15 literal years of experience I have in journalism and speaking for a living on TV, that I would be a little less anxious about these solo episodes but that would be a lie. They're actually really hard to do. But I'm really excited about today's episode. A little bit of a catch up on what we've been up to. I feel like on my show, 95% of the time, we are so outward focused on guests and interesting topics that it, I rarely take time to kind of circle back and let you guys know what's going on here. And um, and yeah, so a couple of housekeeping notes. Uh, we got to talk taking a break from live shows this summer because Honestly, I needed a break big time from having to be in a certain spot um, once a week and live and dolled up with makeup. We love the video. We love that moment for the show. But we're going to take a break through the summer because, you know, we're traveling, we're trying to get out. We're trying to, um, you know, be away from technology a little bit. I did take a self-imposed social media light break. I wasn't completely gone, but I've been deliberately less attached to my phone. A while back, if you've been following me on Instagram for a while, this was uh, maybe nine months ago or so. <laughs> Andrew set a child lock on my phone, like a social media lock. So you get to a certain time limit on apps and it'll just lock you out. <laughs> so that goes to show you... Um, you know, how intense I can get involved in social media when it comes to promoting the show and talking to people and just generally being addicted. So I've been really, really careful lately about what and how I'm choosing to consume social media. So I've been trying to lean out a little bit, you know, be back in the real world and just kind of take the take the foot off of the accelerator a little bit. Anyhow, Memorial Day weekend just passed, right, just actually recording this um, the day after we got back from a little staycation. It was so fun. We stayed in town and got to um, got to go swimming with the kids and get out on a little nature canoe ride. I, I put this on Instagram as well, but we had a... Um, <laughs> Do you notice how many references I've been making to Instagram like literally 45 seconds after I said I need a break? Anyhow, I did this because it was super fun and it was amazing. We did a nature tour and we rode canoes down this really gorgeous um, just, just stream, this freshwater stream that feeds into some of the lakes right by the hotel where we were at. We were staying at the Ritz and um, it was just incredible. We saw gators. We saw turtles, we saw a bunch of birds and all kinds of stuff. And the kids just went wild. One weird thing about living in Florida I still have not gotten used to is literally just 
coming face to face with deadly wildlife, possibly at any turn. And so we wheeled right past a little gator and I was like, gator, there's a gator in the water. And no one heard me or saw me because they were engaged in conversation with um, another canoe, another boat going past. So that was really um, intense. I, I just, you know, being a Northern girl, being someone who grew up with deer as like the wildest form of wildlife that you'll see, it never ceases to just totally scare the crap out of me. So nice weekend. Although I feel like I'm not alone in saying when I come back from some of these trips, I need a little bit of a vacation from a vacation. There's something about a hotel that like supercharges the kids and they don't want to sleep until super late and they still get up early. We have two that get up very early every day, regardless of time zone, you know, are we, are we springing ahead? Are we falling back? They don't care. They're up at 545, 615. They love to rise with the sun. And I have one that's a late sleeper like me. So we, we really, really hope every time we go on vacation, I'm like, this is it. This is going to be the time to go to bed early. We're going to wear them out. We're going to be at the pool all day. They'll be in bed by seven o'clock. And no, no, not at all. So we're back. We're back in action. And we are up against the last week of school here. And um, it's really exciting. We are still, like I would venture to guess, 99% of the population in masks at school in this past year has been a real journey um, for us, um, kind of reflecting back on where we were a year ago. And even at the start of last year, at the school year, um, if you recall, we started virtually we did not have to start virtually because our school did provide in-person instruction like right at the beginning of the summer. But being the um, chief catastrophizer that I am, that's my new nickname, catastrophizer in chief. We'll get into that later when we talk about my therapy. Um, I was really nervous about sending the girls and my son to school in an in-person environment back in August when we just didn't know too much. So we started virtual within the week. We were back in person. And um, this past year, while it has been difficult for us and the kids have had to remain masked, I am just really grateful that we were able to have in-person instruction as long as we did. This, I, I look at my friends up north um, and and the situation they were in in a multitude of other states, not only Pennsylvania, where I'm from, but really the majority of the country not offering in-school instruction in many public schools. I realize um, how lucky we were to be in that spot for most of the year. Um, I'm really thankful that we're in a spot now, obviously, where we know more about COVID and we are collectively um, not only more educated, but but healthier because of the vaccine. But I cannot underestimate the level of concern I have about the mental health, the current and future mental health of our of our children. Um, we we did what we had to do as a world by staying put for so long, but I am hearing so many anecdotal stories of um, friends and friends of friends with older children who are experiencing massive, massive mental health crises, not only issues, but crises. And, you know, we're, we're kind of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel now, and it makes me so grateful, but it also makes me so sad that um, we have yet to see what this means for our children um, down the line. So, you know, I never thought I'd 
feel like this, but I, I'm grateful <laughs> to have been in Florida. Florida is the butt of many jokes, understandably. But having been in a state where we were able to go outside, now this is politics aside, I don't care what you think about how leadership in various states reacted. I personally am grateful to have been in a place where just physically we were able to be outdoors, breathing fresh air, that even in the tightest of lockdown restrictions, we weren't limited to sitting inside, you know, in, in our family room or in our basement or God forbid, even a place with no, I mean, I know there are plenty of city livers who are city dwellers who have very limited access to get outdoors at all. So, you know, I'm just so grateful that we have had that for the past year. Um, it really was our saving grace having three young kids. And, um, you know, I just, I just want to give a little bit of a shout out to all the parents out there because it's been a hard year for us. Um, I'm so focused right now, and I'm sure you guys are too, on moving ahead and, you know, the staycation we had this past Memorial Day weekend and seeing people travel again. We're so focused on what's next, which we should be. We should be grateful that there's progress. But um, I really, really just have to take a beat and say to all of the mothers and caretakers in particular out there who have been holding it down at home through just incredibly difficult circumstances. I see you and I feel you. And chances are, if you weren't in Florida, you had it a little tougher as far as getting through the winter with this pandemic. And, you know, I, I hope that you can find time. However, that looks to you, whether that's um, time in therapy, which I'm a huge, as you know, advocate of, or time spent with friends or, um, you know, starting a new activity this summer or a lesson of some sort, or, you know, even just spending time alone in your bedroom, staring at a wall. I pray for that for you because this has been very trying. Um, as you know, a few episodes back, I'd like to do a little bit of a catch up on this because I did a whole thing. It was called, um, a whole episode. What was it called? Oh, married white female seeks therapist. <laughs> and pregnancy test. As you know, we've been we've been on a journey, a mental health journey around here. Um, speaking of pandemic anxiety and all the attendant issues, I don't want to get into it now, but you can go back and listen to prior episodes. We had a really eventful year. By eventful, I mean um, traumatic year um, in our family last year with the loss of a family member and an issue with... Um, my mom's health. And I mean, just so many things. Um, and so that finally, finally drove me to seek therapy again. Now, huge asterisk here. I have been either actively in therapy or at least kind of distantly partnered with a therapist for over a decade now. I'm a huge proponent of talking with a disinterested third party or second party if you're single about issues that are on your mind. Um, I think friends are great. Girlfriends are the best. And a lot of times they can provide you with amazing perspective. But there are some issues and there are some things that you just can't beat to death with your BFF anymore. You know what I mean? So finally, I got paired up with an amazing therapist and I've been enjoying um it just enjoying being back in that rhythm. Guys, I, I cannot recommend this enough. Therapy has, is more accessible than ever these days. You know, 
real uh, Talkspace, all these platforms that bring it right to you. There's even financial aid available through some of these platforms for people who need assistance paying for this. So please, please seek this out. I have felt so much better since starting this again. And I've come to realize during our first few sessions together that I am, as I alluded to before, a catastrophizer, which is a brilliant and creative way of saying I will think of the worst case scenario in any circumstance, anytime, (laughs) which, as I'm sure you can imagine, makes me a really pleasant person to live with. Oh my God, poor Andrew. Um, So it's been really interesting to me over the past, um, I guess it's been about a month now I've been in therapy. Um, and, And sorry for this like insular look inward, but I do like to bring you back up to speed. And I really do like to destigmatize a lot of this because, um, I know way too many women who are weirdly embarrassed about therapy. Listen, sister, everybody's in therapy. And if they're not, they should be. Ironically, this is a huge sidebar and we'll come back to my amazing therapist in a minute, but it's always the ones who have the most scandal and like weird stuff going on in their lives that are the loudest about therapy being weird or being only for people who are you know, weak or who don't have enough close friends. <laughs> the stories that I could tell about the people I know who are um, openly critical of therapy, but what you hear actually happens behind closed doors. It's actually quite shocking. So all that to say, um, you're not alone if you're seeking help with um, with your mental state, especially after this shit show of the last year. So anyway, circling back, um, found an amazing therapist. Highly, highly suggest going on to psychologytoday.org. I was browsing therapist profiles through that website and it made it so easy to find direct links to their practices. And a lot of these websites these days are really built out. So you're getting not only the basic homepage about, you know, where they are and blah, 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 but each therapist will have their own mini bio, the types of therapy they practice, um, their general sort of life experiences. Like I really wanted someone who was a mother. It was very important to me to have someone who could identify with that particular aspect of my existence, which for me has brought about the biggest tide change in my personality. So when I when I speak with someone, it's not like I don't value, say, a man's advice or, or a non-parent's advice. But for me, a lot of my issues of anxiety are triggered by things that are closely associated with being a caretaker, being a mother. And I just had to have that. So I found someone really close by. She's amazing. It's like when you're dating again, right? You got to go through this weird get to know you phase and you have your intro call and then you have to sort of make it official and you have to say, well, you know, I really think this would be a great fit. I'm going to go ahead and book. And you have to be really honest and be like, you know, I'm like dating some other people. I'm like interviewing some other therapists right now, but I'm going to circle back soon. And I really think this is going to work out. And, um, and so, yeah, it's been great. And, and here's, here's the conclusion that I've arrived at with my, with my therapist and, um, it really makes so much sense. Um, I spent 15 years of my professional life in in a business, i.e. TV news, where I was not only surrounded by information about people's literal worst case scenarios daily, 
but I was verbalizing it as an anchor, speaking through stories, robberies, break-ins, shootings, accidental shootings. Um, I mean, just any type of worst case scenario that you can imagine was not only around me because this is the business we're in, right? You're in the, in the business of information sharing and information gathering, but I was verbalizing it by anchoring five hours a day, saying those words or hearing the words in my ear from a reporter. Um, little fun fact for anybody who who hasn't worked in TV, we have these, um, these earpieces that are molded to fit inside of our ears. So as you're anchoring and you're seeing the anchor on the desk, um, they're connected to the, their producer in the control room, the director, everybody who's in that little room sort of hitting all the buttons to make TV magic. Um, they can they can get in your ear by pressing a button saying, hey, Sonny, you know, we're going to kill this story. Go to the next one. Go to, you know, A15 instead of A12, whatever. So as the reporters are out on the streets, you know, you're hearing them in your ear. You're literally having other people's voices in your head for hours a day, five days a week extended coverage. It could be up to 12 hours a day. And you are being flooded quite literally with, like I said, worst case scenarios that are happening. Um, This is not a crap on TV news um, or journalism in general. Um, Me acknowledging this part of my anxiety is, is really important, not because I don't appreciate the you know amazing field that I was in for so long, but I think it's really important to understand how this anxiety, especially as a parent, came to take root so deeply within me. So I have the simultaneous experience of of going through motherhood, which brought its own separate anxieties, but being reinforced daily as I was working full time, especially in the first four years of having my first two kids in that business. Um, have, having that already, I don't want to say traumatic experience of motherhood because that's the wrong word, but it's um, seismic, I guess. It's fucking huge. It's... Um, hard and beautiful and crazy and amazing. And it's big. It's so big. So I'm doing that at home every day. I'm coming into work. I'm talking about weird shit every day. The worst case scenarios are playing out at work. Then I go home and I look at my baby and I worry, my God, what if this, what if that? So what I came to realize with my therapist is that I have been underplaying the impact of verbalizing and being surrounded by that type of atmosphere and environment every day. And it really, it really reprogrammed me um, to be what I now consider to be, while not clinically anxious, um, just a generally pretty anxious person. I mean, if there's anyone who knows me well, it's just, there is a, a level of analysis I go through with every scenario that is just like, I mean, it can be debilitating at times. I'll like, they'll ask, someone will ask me to do something and I'm thinking, okay, I do that and this happens, then this is going to be really bad. Or if I go the other way and, you know, that can be really bad. So anyway, all this to say, um, it's been really amazing to even in three or four sessions with my youth therapist, be able to dig in to the root cause of finally pinpoint a cause for this anxiety that this just can be really awful at times. And so she gave me an amazing book. Again, um, I put this on Instagram a while back. What is it called? It's called The Mindful Self-Compassion Workbook by Kristen Neff and Christopher Germer. Um, I, you know, to be honest, I looked at the title and I'm like, self-compassion? I feel like I'm pretty kind to myself. I let myself sleep in. You know, I let myself, like, you know, just I'm pretty lax about life in general. Um, 
but it's not self-compassion in that way. It's It really has given me, um, it's a good workbook. I'll link it in show notes, but you got to check it out if you're someone who's in the position of, of being anxious or who's like a, a, a catastrophizer in chief like me. You might benefit from this workbook. So I'll link it, definitely check it out. That's the update on therapy um, to bring you full circle on that. Also, also, because she is relentless and will never stop in the quest to find peace, I have been doing, or did do, rather, a session of RTT, which is Rapid Transformational Therapy. It's essentially hypnosis. And this, in particular, is designed to get at childhood or sort of formative years issues, things that patterns we've inadvertently gotten into over time. And that in and of itself was freaking amazing and transformative. So I'm doing a whole separate episode on RTT with the woman who did it with me, my therapist, my hypnotherapist, Shanna Wendell. So that's going to be a taped episode coming up, I believe next week or the week after. So keep it here for that. This is, it's a journey here. I look back on the last year and my, it just cracks me up because it's, it's the literal search for answers being played out on my podcast feed. We had an astrologer, we had a medium, we had a therapist on, we have um, RTT, a hypnotherapist, we've had wellness coaches, like every form of, of trying, oh, oh, breath work. We did breath work. Every form of, of sort of self-care and self-analysis in an effort to feel better has been like dove into over the past year. And it's kind of funny to me. I look back and I'm like, ooh, this is like a calling card for a really fucked up person. <laughs> uh, not really. But, um, you know, we lay it out on the table here. The most annoying thing is the people who pretend like they have it all together. So not going to get that here. As we always say, not inspirational. This is not the inspirational feed or podcast. Um so that's that. And I really, like, I honestly can't wait. RTT involves, like, just to kind of give you a, a quick glance over what's going to come up in that episode. Um, you do this session. It's about two hours. And then you get a taped, I, I guess for back, lack of a better word, um, mantra or um, I don't know what it is. It's your hypnotherapist sort of, I don't know, like reinforcing the lessons that were sort of pulled out during your session. And so I listen to that every night. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been amazing so far. So, um, so we'll circle back with that. And I, Shanna was on the episode, uh, on the podcast a while back. We did an episode on empaths and, um, she actually is an, an intuitive eating coach and expert too. So we did a whole mini episode back when this show was called 30 something. It was probably a year ago at this time. And maybe a little over a year ago. So definitely check that out. She's amazing. Her voice is like butterscotch. It's soothing and sweet. And I'm just, she is the perfect person to put you into a hypnotic state. I just, it was amazing. So anyway, I put out way too late, admittedly, a call for um, what you guys wanted to hear about on some upcoming solo episodes. And just in time to record this, got a really good one from Lisa um, talking about pandemic-induced agoraphobia and summer activities for kids under 12, which are both fantastic things to talk about because I've got something to say. Agoraphobia is a type of anxiety disorder in which you fear and avoid places or situations that might cause you to panic. Okay, interesting little tidbit. Have always considered myself to be a true extrovert, meaning I gain energy and I recharge 
from being around other people. I don't like being around people that are the same as me. I don't like, I like people with the different life experiences. I like interesting stories like, you know, like TJ Maxx, like never the same place twice. Who wants to talk to somebody who just validates their point of view and existence in the world? Challenge me. Give me friction. You know what I mean? So anyway, I've long considered myself an extrovert because I really thrive in situations where I am around different types of people or or even people who share certain things, but who, who can, I don't know, just have a great conversation until this pandemic. And let me tell you something, the level of assessment that has been going on internally, and I'm curious if this is happening for you too, has been astounding. I am now landing at a spot where not only do I actively avoid conversations with people, I hear myself pressing the mute button the silence button as I'm in a conversation. Old Sunny would have been like, hmm, tell me more. Like, I want to understand. Or or she would have engaged in maybe a little witty banter, maybe would have been a contrarian for the sake of being a contrarian. But literally this day, these days, short of you telling me that, I don't know, you're a Nazi sympathizer, I'm not going to fight you back. I'm just going to be like, mm, mm. or you're some kind of racist jerk. I'm just not going to fight back. I just want to sit there and end the conversation as quickly as possible. I hope this is a temporary thing because this is not good for my line of work or else I'm going to have a ton of solo episodes in my future. Um, Yeah, I'm curious to know if anybody else has been in that spot. I, I, I'm not fully in agoraphobic mode. I, I still enjoy venture out. You know, I, I need to be around other environments and whatever. But yes, um, actively, actively avoiding situations where I, I, I previously would have embraced. I feel like everyone's a little agoraphobic, a little people phobic, a little conversation phobic after the past year. I mean, if it if it's not being scared that someone's going to breathe COVID germs into your face, it's just the fact that you don't agree with their politics and you want to get into a fight or the fact that you haven't been outside of your house in literally over 300 days and you're terrified of human interaction, whatever it may be. Um, I get it. And I feel, yeah. And again, circling back, let's be kind to ourselves. Let's get therapized. Let's talk to our friends. Let's get back out there. I'm not saying it's going to be quick, but I have hope. I have hope that this pandemic induced agoraphobia and general lack of desire to socialize will pass. I hope it does. I really want to be a fun chick at the party again. Like I really, I want to dance on a bar in Miami. I, I look forward to the day where a stranger sweats on me in a public place. Truly, um, I just think we need to kind of ease back into it. Um, Lisa also brought up, oh, this is a good one. This is very interesting to me. Um, parent rant here. Summer camps and, and activities for kids under 12. So here's the thing. Probably the worst person to ask about this because I am the mother to at least two out of three. Who knows what the third one's going to be like of the least enthusiastic fans of summer camp ever around here. Like my kids would choose waterboarding over a YMCA camp lickety split. Like, no thanks. I'm like, hey, there's this great summer camp. All of your friends from school are going to be there. They're going to be passing out chocolate candy bars every 45 minutes. Nope. Like, no, nothing is a sell. I could pay them $50 an hour, not that they have a concept of money right now, to attend a summer camp, and it would still be a hard, hard no. I don't know what to do with... I don't know where this came from, to be honest. Actually, I do. Oh, my God. 
I literally spent 25 minutes talking about what a head case I am. And I sit here wondering why my children um, are terrified of summer camp. Here's the deal. Again, back to kind of um, motherhood and, and, and a nature versus nurture thing. I was like this as a child, you know, kind of scared to to venture far and to try new things, at least when I was their age. And this to me is the biggest case for nature over nurture. It's the, the, the similarities that these children of mine have to all of the little idiosyncrasies that I had as a kid, little personality quirks and characteristics. I like to complain about it, but really karmically, it's probably just God getting me back for being the world's shyest and strangest small child. So we're in a spot here. We don't really do too many summer camps. I've got them signed up for sports. Like if I call it a sport and it's like a one day or two day a week thing, we gravy. But if I call it a camp and they have to show up on consecutive days, it is a problemo, like big, big problem in our house. So we're in a really interesting spot this year because we're going to go from full tilt activities to a summer. Well, you know, we have some travel actually planned, but I just, um, we don't do summer camps and I wish we did. Um, yeah. So that's where we're at for the year. You would think that after this year, kids would be, I guess it's because they've been in, in school and really haven't felt, aside from wearing masks, too out of their normal routine. I would think they would be like craving as many interactions and activities as possible. But now that I think about it, they've actually been doing activities all year. And they've kind of been full tilt in their in their own little activities in their world. So... For us, our summer is going to look like this. We're going to do, we have an art camp that I signed my daughter up for, and that's four days, and that's it. That's all she wrote. My son is going to do a basketball team, and that's like twice a week, but it is most certainly not on consecutive days. <laughs> and uh, and then the baby, who's not a baby because she turned four, is doing swim lessons, and we're seeking out some other like kind of fun maybe soccer team activity for her. So that's where we're at. I want to know if other parents are in this spot too. Everywhere I look, there are children who are like begging their parents to be signed up for science camp and, you know, art camps and basketball and lacrosse. And my kids are like, nope, lock me up, sister. Give me, give me my iPad and let me stay home. Oh God, I'm making them sound like they're they themselves are little mini agoraphobes and they're not, but um, we do have a high level of disinterest in summer camps that we are actively working on at the moment. So um, this summer should be pretty fun. We do have a fun trip or two planned. We're going to go to New York City and that should be fun. The last city trip we did as a family was two years ago and we went to Washington, D.C. and the baby was two and maybe not even two. Gosh, can I even get it? Yeah, she wasn't even two. Um, we lost her own one of her shoes, the only pair of shoe we brought on the metro or whatever it is. We got stuck with our double double stroller underground because, as it turns out, a double stroller is not metro friendly in D.C. Literally, Andrew had to collapse it and carry it up. 14 flights of stairs. It was a debacle. We did get a White House tour, which was really cool. Oh, totally forgot. <laughs> In the White House tour line, which was about two and a half hours longer of a wait than we anticipated, I ended up having to nurse the baby, who was one and a half, in full view of everybody else waiting in line because 
she was freaking out and it was nap time and it was a real beauty of a scene. Imagine this standing under the most majestic representation of democracy and freedom in the world, waiting to get into line to see the, the building that, you know, it, it just is representative of our democracy and the beautiful country that we live in. <laughs> There's me whipping out my boob in front of John and Sally from North Dakota and their 14-year-old prepubescent kid who's like, what is going on here? It was a beauty of a trip. So that's the last big city sort of tour that we did as a group of five. I can't wait to see what New York City brings us this year. It's going to be great, I'm sure. We've got the um, Museum of Ice Cream on tap. We're going to do the Statue of Liberty, which I personally have never done. I did live in New York for a summer. Is that long enough to ever consider yourself a New Yorker? Like, do I have bragging rights to say I was like, oh, yeah, I was a New Yorker if I lived there for three months? No? <laughs> no, didn't think so. Um, so... That should be pretty fun. And, um, you know, we're going to make some trips back home to Pittsburgh, which is home for me. And we're going to do a couple of other things and maybe go to the beach a couple of weeks as well. So um, that's what our summer holds for us. Hopefully it'll be great. And like I said, I'm going to be popping on here with a, a couple of pre-recorded episodes. So um, it's going to be great. It's going to be a really fun, chill summer. I am going to scoot. I have to go get my second COVID shot. Totally buried the lead there. I, you know, who knows how I'm going to be feeling after this. I mean, good thing I recorded this beforehand. Um, I'm a little anxious about what the second shot holds for me, but it turns out you cannot go on certain cruises unless you're fully vaccinated. And so we're doing it and hopefully it will, um, it'll go well and I won't have any of the, um, you know, cult-like, flu-like side effects that some people get from the second shot, but we shall see. I'll be back next week. Let me just quickly peek at the calendar and let you guys know what's coming up so you know what to expect. Oh yes, next week is our RTT show. So come back to hear from my hypnotherapist all about what RTT is, why it works, how it can unwind some of the um, issues that you've got baked in from childhood because we've all got a couple and it's going to be fun. It'll be a deep dive and um, I'll let you know how to work with Shanna if you're interested in that as well. That's it. Hopefully this audio worked. You know, we, we got low standards here these days. I'm recording right on my computer. My microphone doesn't work anymore. And um, I'm going to work on that for next week and make sure that we are in a good spot to get recorded for it next week. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you for listening. Please, please leave five-star rating. Leave a review. That goes a long way. It's huge in helping get this podcast out to people who might enjoy it. So thanks so much. We got talk.com is the site. Sunny Abata, S-O-N-N-I-A-B-A-T-T-A on Instagram. And I'll see you next week. Bye.